The tale of the adventuring guild, known as Two for One Drinks, started in the hot deserts around Jarmalk, one of the most unforgiving landscapes in all of Alia. Working for, and eventually with, the wizard Rastin, they secured the heartstones of two of the Eternal Kings of Akenia from beneath the blasted sands. Eventually finding their way to the heart of long-buried Akenia, they purified the stones of their previous owner's spirits, ultimately using the artifacts to free Amea, Princess of Dulcera and Rastin's love, from a 14-year-long curse. But that's a different story. The desert lies behind, as the focus turns to the island kingdom at the heart of the Dawn Sea. So after dealing with the not-as-eternal-as-previously-thought Eternal Kings of Akenia, I, time, found myself having a pretty rough morning. First of all, I hadn't really gotten much sleep after having a long discussion with Absinthe that night. So when Bitsy decided to wake me up by sneaking into my room as a small spider and just transforming into her normal self without warning, let's just say I wasn't going to get any sleep for the rest of the day. After we had a quick private chat, I decided to go to town to get some shopping taken care of, when, lo and behold, Olek with some wizard lady frickin' teleported almost on top of me. Apparently Olek had become business associates with Kalis, the merchant prince who we sort of working with through the wizard Rastin, in return for quick transportation to somewhere off the northern coast of the Dawn Sea. In order to check up on his mom, he also mentioned something about meeting with some of his old friends while he was there, but I didn't press him anymore because that's none of my business. After that, we did make some use of his wizard friend's abilities and gave Bitsy a taste of her own medicine. And let me tell you, being a spider is weird and I do not recommend it. The rest of the week before we set sail up the river to Cajas was mostly uneventful. Well, besides me learning the basics and a little bit more on how firearms work. And before we knew it, we were on the high seas en route to Dulcera. Bolt life isn't super exciting, but on our way there we did get attacked by pirates. Well, more like some pirates flying a peculiar variation of the Sea Spectres flag. Uh, the Sea Spectres is a notorious large group of pirates. Uh, they fired some cannonballs in our direction, we returned the favor, and then Absinthe produced a rather potent stinking cloud that pretty much disabled everyone on board of the pirate ship. Absinthe made a strong point of showing their dissatisfaction with the specters, involving a few rude gestures as we sailed away. A few days later, we arrived at Dulcera, escorted Princess Amea to the palace where she received a surprised but warm welcome. We took up the offer to stay in the palace while the king made preparations for announcing Amea's return. The next few days started out rather uneventful. Half the party went to check out what the city had to offer in terms of items and entertainment, while some of us checked out the various libraries, archives, and places of worship the Dawnlight district of the city had to offer. Kizzy seemed to have stumbled upon another dragonish tiefling like herself in the Divine Lyceum, a worshipper of the demonic dragon god Kven. The odd tiefling seemed to have caused Kizzy some distress over her possible heritage. Later, Kizzy and myself teamed up, you know, she's good with maps, I'm good with books, to do some research on leyline locations and patterns. Apparently, the ley line that used to run through the heart of Akenia, where we killed the ancient kings, shifted itself and is currently located under the very city we had just arrived at. Before calling it a night, we met up with an old mentor of Rastin's, a blue dragonborn who was researching a whole slew of ancient and powerful relics called the Legacy Artifacts. After a bit, he went on about a tiefling woman who had helped him tremendously with his research. He seemed a bit put out when he mentioned that she, he hadn't seen her since her peculiar visit seven years previously. 
What he didn't know is that the woman he was talking about was not only my mother, Amandine, but she's been dead for the past ten years. Or at least, that's what I was led to believe. While time was doing time things at the archives, he found out his dead mother was maybe not so dead, and that started a whole big thing with him. Bitsy, not feeling any spirit presence, communes on the beach, only to be met by black thorn vines which she didn't stick around to investigate as they moved in to attack. I went shopping, and placed orders for some custom throwing axes, and a helmet made from the skull of the storm drake we defeated earlier in our adventures. So good, inlaid with Ethereum special properties. Oh wait, uh, uh, the next day, a bunch of non-magic people didn't show up for work, and we decided to check things out. What's worse, finding a rally of non-magic users speaking out against the ruling class, or Kizzy rushing to the front of that rally to ask questions? Luckily, Kizzy didn't get lynched by the mob, just frustrated that they didn't really have plans outside of skipping work. Absinthe and Time went to play some music at one of the local taverns. Pretty cool joint, but I mean it's no Bitsy Spider. Oh, but then the unexpected happened, and rather than blowing the lid off the joint and melting the phases off of the entire audience, they just kind of did an okay job. As the rest of the party explored the city, and, uh, you know, generally had a good time, did some shopping. Oh, these hand axes, they're so good. Uh, uh, Thorn, he explored some shady back alleys, and warehouses, and he found some crazy tunnels, and in those tunnels he found this, this red ethereum, and he pocketed that. Ooh, ooh, then, finally, the day of the festival arrived, and that meant vendors booths, games, all that good festival stuff. Not to mention getting ready to be guests at the ball. You know, new clothes, baths, the whole, like, primmed and proper thing. You know, it wasn't bad. I got to try on my new clothes that I bought. I bought new clothes, too. Uh, they, they're fancy. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, so, we we were all at this announcement for the princess, because we brought the princess back. It was really great, the townspeople loved it, we were on this balcony overlooking them, and uh, I guess Absinthe and Bitsy saw some clouds rolling in, which was weird because it was a really clear day. Uh, weather be damned, this ball was about to get underway. Music, dancing, tiny finger food, the works. This ball is going great. Time was getting on the dance floor, didn't even make a fool of himself. Kizzy danced with Princess Amea, and they talked about, uh, Kizzy and princess things, and Absinthe played with the band. It was so good, nothing could go wrong. Well, I mean, there was this magic storm that blew in, out of nowhere, and the protective shield around the city got three holes blown into it, or I guess knocked out of it. <laughs> there were some holes, and, uh, some hydras and trees walked through those holes, uh, right into the city. Yeah trees with that it's it's party time and bitsy and time bolt out of the palace well the rest of us go and grab our stuff so we can actually fight so i grabbed my axe and then we run out there we meet up with everybody you know it's it's kind of close to where that hole is well, one of the holes there were a lot of holes three three's not a lot but there were this there was this hydra and i knew i was gonna ride that hydra and then uh oh let's see oh and then the tree it punched time a lot he almost died but it was still pretty cool did i mention i rode the hydra oh. oh and then so we take care of that and we uh we put them down and uh what's that over there a magic pyramid right by where the bar barrier is supposed to be turns out yes that is exactly what that is 
and it's draining the magic, not only from the barrier, but from the magic users that get close to it. Except for Bitsy. With the enemies defeated and the magic pyramids doing its thing, we headed off to find the next batch of things to fight, uh, and the barrier hole. We were gonna go to another one of those. Uh, so, but we got there and the guards already took care of it. They did a good job and they realized the pyramids were draining magic, so kind of the same as we did. It's a good thing that a bunch of non-magic people didn't run out of the big barrier hole and escape into the forest covered by the storm and the chaos caused by, well, the chaos? Oh yeah, that's exactly what happened. Well, we were gonna go back to the palace and uh, figure out what we should do. We found out assassins attacked the king and were killed by the guards while we were out fighting in the storm and they were all dead in the ballroom wearing matching cloaks and masks? What's that about? But I mean, I got to fight a Hydra and ride it. That was really fun. Okay, okay, we get it, Oleg. You see a challenge and you think, I gotta ride that. It's very impulsive and uh, brave of you. <laughs> Actually, it's kind of cool. Pretty much each time we fought something big enough, you've managed to perch yourself on the back of it or somewhere. Anyway, after that fight, we made it back to the palace to be sure that everyone there was okay. We returned to find that there had been an infiltration of enemies, but they were taken care of quickly by Reyna and the Crown's guard. As I had done in Kahas, I used some of my remaining spells to speak with Dead. Admittedly, I tried to trick the first one into thinking I was his fallen ally, but I wasn't successful. One information I did find out, though, was the group called themselves the Circle of the Forgotten, and their orders came from a whisper and a voice. Not exactly the most telling information, but I tried. With that scare, Reyna told us only necessary personnel were allowed in the palace on the king's orders. We made our way to Rastin's old tower. <laughs> Typical wizard, what a guy. Most of us then met Tinker, pretty much a man Rastin's first child, and he made the tower quite accommodating for our stay. The next few days, we set out to try and find more information about the city and the leaders of the revolution, but it was pretty slow going. I contacted Rastin to keep him updated and ask him to check in on Amea since we weren't needed in the castle. And for the record, I was not drunk, and I didn't ask any silly questions at all. Eventually, we had the luck of meeting Allison, the sister of Paula Kerr, one of the three leaders of the revolution. She actually helped us to find some key information that we decided to follow up on. The information was about a warehouse where we had found crates we believed housed the pylons that were interrupting the barrier. So I cast sending to Reyna to let her know what we found. Really, we were just waiting for her to get to us, and that's when Bitsy offered to be a source of entertainment in the form of a giant fire beetle. But we we made a mistake, and we let our guard down, allowing ourselves to be ambushed. It was just footsteps at first, but it quickly turned into a fight. Enemies that were cloaked in invisibility had surrounded us and attacked. The best part, no, not really. The best part was it was Allison, who was walking down those steps, not Reyna, who we were expecting to help continue the investigation. We were effectively led right into a trap by Allison, allowing her allies to take advantage of us. Some of us did okay against the ambushers, but Olek... <sighs> yeah, look at you, big guy. He wasn't able to fight off a spell by Allison where she commanded him to attack me. Yeah, he hits pretty hard when he's raging. I managed to stay up, and while I dealt with that, the rest of the party tried their best to get rid of the attackers. After I was able to release Olek of the spell he was under, he and Bitsy took a more direct approach with Allison and were able to land a few hits, but she certainly didn't come unprepared. I remember her using a wand, but I was knocked out from the blast. I'm told that Absinthe tried to sleep spell that wasn't able to take effect on Allison, and she took her leave with a Dimension Door spell and effectively escaped us. I came to via potion, it kinda tasted weird, and as we tried to take off after Allison, we saw that there were more holes in the barrier. 
I needed to recover some, and so Bitsy and Time went to find more information. This time there had been a kidnapping of mages from the School of Conjuration, the Headmaster Moran among them. We were getting kind of confused and were hitting a lot of dead ends, so we decided to leave the city walls and ask the plants for help. That was made possible by Bitsy's druid magic, where she asked a tree what it had seen, letting us know that Moran was most likely working for the revolutionists. After we created maybe more questions for ourselves, we went to Reyna to report what we found. Luckily omitting how we did. And I say lucky because as we were letting her know our suspicions in Moran, I caught this look on her face. Maybe the slight delay to her reaction. Maybe it was her ever so small practiced shock. But in that moment, I realized we had told her something she'd already known. We took our leave, with the idea of us heading to the Alderwood camp left with her, and I revealed to the party what I had seen. I was confident in saying that Reyna was working against the city either with the revolutionists or even the Circle of the Forgotten. The rest of the group believed me, and I mean why wouldn't they, and at this point had to consider Reyna an enemy. A few odd instances fell into place for us, and it was all but settled when I was able to communicate with Amea through sending that Reyna had suggested two for one drinks and Bitsy to be cast out of the palace. <sighs> but she hadn't picked up on me picking up on her, so then we started to actually plan to have fine with the feeling one step ahead of the enemies, and oh goodness, it was going to be so good we- Wait, wait. Absinthe, you should tell this part. With Captain Reyna yet unaware that the jig was up, Two for One Drinks and Bitsy offered to investigate Alderwood Camp, while truly making our way down to the quarry, following a trail left by the Circle of the Forgotten as they fled the city. When we arrived, it became clear that the Circle had been there for some time, building up a formidable defense that made direct confrontation impossible. We needed a distraction. Luckily, Olek had a bag of magic beans. The one time we used the beans before, they summoned a cluster of cat-sized mushrooms that did nothing but scream. That would be as good a distraction as any, so we convinced Bitsy to sneak into the quarry in squirrel form, burying the beans in strategic locations, and letting the rain do the rest. Well, we did summon more screaming mushrooms, but also a horrible carnivorous landshark, an ill-tempered treant, supernatural blue flames, and a giant pyramid that may or may not have contained hordes of high-level undead. Nailed it. Distraction succeeding beyond our wildest dreams, we snuck into the quarry and decided to investigate one of the few structures that had not immediately been abandoned in the chaos. Inside, we found Allison Care and a number of prison cells. This time, the party got the drop on Allison, knocking her out cold. Freeing the prisoners, we found Zandon, Princess Amea's loyal protector, some missing mages, and a tied-up explosion specialist Snurf Neblin that seemed to know Rastin. Immediately upon leaving, we encountered a familiar hawk. It returned to Reyna with two of Time's arrows and a personal message from Kizzy. Escaping into the woods, we stopped to rest before returning to the city. Upon our return, the city was in far worse state than when we left. The protective barrier around the city had fallen until only the Everguard Tower was shielded. This left the city, and the palace in particular, vulnerable to the incoming siege weapons. Glamrock, the previously mentioned combustive Snurf Devlin, agreed to take care of a significant amount of the siege weapons, and Zandon agreed to handle the bound and gagged Allison Care as the rest of us pushed into the city. It was not long before we came across the remnants of the Aegis Legion, led by Penny Brighton. They were no friends of Reyna or the Circle. Reaching the palace, we found rogue mages attempting to breach its remaining defenses, 
Moran, a high-ranking mage in the Conjuration College, mocked our attempts to stop him, but an unexpected ally joined the fray. Rastin, appearing out of thin air, took no mercy on the rogue mage, sealing him in stone. The wizard then opened the palace's barrier with ease. He was the one who designed it, after all. Inside the palace, we found the king wounded from the attempted coup, but Princess Amea was more than capable of defending her family. Rastin and the princess reunited, ready to protect the city. Reyna and the Circle sealed themselves on top of the Avangard Tower, their intentions becoming clearer by the moment. Penny Brighton and the Loyal Aegis Legion made to assault the tower and end this once and for all. We had quite a fight to finally get through the castle and into the throne room, and quite a bit of help from our comrade Rastin in getting past those that sought the king. My dear friend Kizzy was able to save the king from a poison that had been infecting him. Although the king and I had differing views, I was glad to see that Kizzy was able to do what she does so very well in helping others. After the king recovered, Amea and Rastin decided to head back into the city to help and fight off the rebellion. My friends and I, that is two for one drinks, decided that it would be best to try and get to the tower because of fear that the rebellion was gaining more control over the barrier. We joined up with the Aegis Legion, led by Penny Brighton. She seemed to make quite an impression on a few of the members of our party, and we made our way to the docks through the underground basement that one of our party, Thorn, had found. He's really good at that kind of thing. The basement, however, just seemed to give off a vibe that was very wrong. Something very against nature and magic and the order of life. I was only too happy to get out of there. We did take a souvenir, however, that we found, and later we learned that it was Blood Ethereum. When we got to the docks, we had a behemoth released on us. It was a hard battle, but it was won with the help of the Aegis Legion, Penny Brighton, and one of our own, Oleg, who did what he did best and rode the Great Beast. Although nothing was quite as amazing as Kizzy and her gifts of water control, she helped to take one of the less damaged ships with our party and the Aegis Legion. She was able to move the water and propel us to the island where the tower was. We, because of our speed, were unable to stop the ship and ran them aground. Absinthe, as always, standing as perfection and grace on the bow of the ship, the ship managed to take care of a lot of the Warforged as well. The Aegis Legion helped us getting to the tower, distracting a large portion of the rebels that were stationed there. We had very little difficulty making our way up the tower. We were stopped right at the top by Reyna and some of her comrades. She was meant as a distraction to stop us from getting to her companions as they powered up the pylons to disable the tower on the shield. My comrades charged into the battle ready to be done with Reyna and the circle. I admit though that I hesitated. I was torn between helping my friends and letting the circle stop the tower from working. I knew their way was wrong, but I couldn't think of any other way to stop the king and his people from abusing the power source that nature had created. He was a coward that hid behind the shield, and to the detriment of his people, his kingdom, and to the balance of nature. As I look back, I admit I was ashamed that I froze, unable to help my comrades as they fought for their lives. I was no better than Reyna. I should have known that there had to be another way, a better one. I was able to shake off my hesitation and I took the form, as I so often do, of a spider. Able to bypass the perimeter that they so thoughtfully made, I noticed quickly that there was only one of the Circle of the Forgotten that seemed to be heading up this thing, and they were the only ones that I really needed to be concerned about. As I observed her, I saw a flash of something out of the corner of my eye, something familiar. I watched her for a while, and then I saw it again. It was a focus. Although I did not know exactly what the focus was for, I knew that I needed to get it away from her. The barrier went down and I was able to use my web to keep Raina's comrade from moving. 
Two for one drinks had more than taken care of the rest of the circle of forgotten. After a few seconds, the leader, however, was able to break free from the web and made a run for the edge. She leapt off the tower and transformed into a bird, a very familiar looking hawk. It was then that everything came crashing into place. She was a druid. She was like me. I was not alone. I knew I had to follow her, so with some quick thinking on Absinthe's part, I was able to drop my beast shape and make my chase. I turned into a giant eagle and chased after her. I can't say I know too much of what happened in the tower, only that my friends were able to make quick work of the rest of the circle and were able to capture Rena. I, however, was chasing down the only connection I had made to who I was. The hawk passed through a hallucination and made their way into the cave. I had to drop my beast form to follow her in, so I did. I hid, but she knew I was there and asked me to reveal myself. After I argued with myself about what to do for several minutes, I took a deep breath and walked out of the shadows to the druid. I saw a few feet away that she had a poor spirit wrapped up in the black vines, the spirit that I had seen in my visions, and the black vines that had been haunting me as I made my trek into the spirit world so many times. I was taken aback that not only one of my kind would do that to me, but to a spirit as well. I mean, why would a druid do that to a revered protector of the natural world? She let the spirit go, and in turn I let her go unharmed, but not before she offered me something that I had always wanted, a place to belong, to be taught the ways of the druid, to learn the history, to grow my ability, and to not be the only one. I was reminded about how I had froze back at the tower, and how I should have protected and helped. I declined her offer and watched her walk past me. My heart dropped, knowing that I'd always wanted this, but that I couldn't say yes. And I have to admit, as she left the cave, I got very sick to my stomach. After I recovered, I was able to give part of myself to the spirit. I was able to heal her and restore her to a strong spirit once again. From atop the Evangard Tower, the adventurers who returned the city's lost princess and helped thwart the revolution of the Circle of the Forgotten watched as a bright column of light rose into the sky, scattering the magical storm that had tormented Dalsera for the last week. As the sky overhead began to clear, Leia, Spirit of the Dawn Sea, deposited bits of a tea leaf onto the sands, wishing her well before returning to her shrine to rest. The fight on the island ended as mages and soldiers teleported in to assist in the battle that was already beginning to falter. Raina was taken into custody by the surviving Aegis Legion, Penny Brighton among them. In the days that followed, the traitorous, no longer petrified mage Moran, the chaos-hungry bard Allison, and ex-captain Raina were brought before the king and nobles and questioned. All pled guilty. Moran to aid in the revolution in hopes of gaining more power for mages, Allison for helping raise a revolution out of sheer boredom, and Reyna for doing what she thought was right and trying to stop the city from using the power of the Convergence beneath the tower. They were all locked away until such a time as their trials could be properly carried out, once all the chaos in the city had mellowed out. Rastin soon had to face the consequences of coming to Amea's aid without Kalos' permission, as the elf mage that had helped Olek get home to Avaris and several of Kalos' men had come to bring him back to Jarmalt, willing or not. The wizard did not put up a fight and agreed to go with them. Amea, disregarding the king's wishes that she should stay, went with him as well. She did not intend to let them be separated again. Soon there was nothing left for them in the city of Dulcera, and the group that had gotten swept up in this whole ordeal soon gratefully took up ship aboard the Grey Lady, a fine ship belonging to one of Oleg's old friends. Their destination was Port Meriden, and looking into a small matter for time. For more details about the adventure on the Isles of Dalsera, feel free to check out our first episode and follow along with us on our adventure. 
If you're just hoping to catch up, that's great too. The story continues aboard the Grey Lady in the Seraph's Wing. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.